1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll try our best to look at a verse here that has been on our heart. I thought maybe I would preach this Sunday morning and then the Lord moved in. I'm thankful for that. And uh, it's brought back to my heart again today. And I want to just look at some things here that the Lord has dealt with my heart about. And I don't know how long we'll, try not to keep you very long tonight, how long we'll be, how much preaching we'll do. My voice is kind of weak and kind of weak in body, but the Lord knows all about that. But I want to read one verse, verse number 58 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm interested tonight, and there's a lot of things that we could say and preach about from just this one verse. We could talk about always abounding in the work of the Lord, and we might make mention of that. We could talk about the confidence that we have when our labor is in the Lord, that it's never in vain, and we may mention some things about that, but my heart tonight is on this three-word phrase where the Apostle Paul says, be ye steadfast. Now, here in the Scripture, it begins, the verse that we read tonight, begins with the word, therefore. And so that means in light of everything that has been said, now Paul is going to make this statement in verse 58 in light of everything that he's already dealt with. And to put it in its context, the Apostle Paul has dealt here in chapter number 15 about the certainty of Christ's resurrection. He deals with this church here that has doubts and fears and troubles and misunderstandings about how certain it is that Christ, in verse number 3, He died for our sins according to Scriptures and that He was buried in verse number 4 and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that is the Gospel. That really is. In verse number 1, He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the Gospel which I preached unto you. This is the gospel that Christ died according to Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is, in a nutshell, what the gospel is all about. And so then Paul goes on to mention the fact that Christ's resurrection is where our hope lies. That if Christ be not raised, our faith's in vain, our preaching's in vain. And he says we're still yet in our sins, and they that are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. In other words, Paul said that there is no resurrection of the dead. If Christ be not raised, then we have no hope. We have no reason to go on. We have no reason to believe. It's all been in vain. We have no future if Christ be not raised. But he said Christ is raised from the dead. And so because of that we do have hope. Because of that we do have a future. Because of that we can have 
faith. And then he goes on to talk about what will happen to the children of God after we die and our bodies are planted in the ground. And then that day of the Lord comes when he returns that the immortal shall put on immortality, corruptible shall put on incorruption, and that that's planted will come up a new body, not as it was planted. And in reality, what he's saying, everything that he's saying is that all of this is tied and hinges on the fact that Christ raised from the dead. He said we won't all sleep. We're not all going to see death. But he said we all shall be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye because of the fact that Christ raised from the dead. And then he says, therefore, in light of the fact that our faith is built upon a most sure and solid foundation. The Bible speaks about that no foundation can any man lay other than that that's already been laid in Christ. And he said the foundation of God stand sure that God knoweth them that are his. And so we are built upon our hope, our future, our salvation. Our faith is built upon a most solid foundation. Foundation. And so he says, therefore, we ought to act like that we have a solid hope. He said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye. So Paul is issuing a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, a word of good advice. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, preaching to this carnal church at Corinth and enabling them through the hope that they have in Christ, to be a steadfast group of people. He is admonishing them and encouraging them that the people of God should be steadfast. Now the word steadfast means to be firm. It means to be fixed. It means to be settled, to be immovable. We know that old hymn says, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by water, I shall not be moved. That's what the songwriter's writing about, about being steadfast. And he draws his, the songwriter draws the inspiration from the scripture, from Psalm chapter 1, that paints the picture of the righteous and the unrighteous. And he said, the righteous is like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. In other words, the the psalm said he doesn't change he just stays the course because of his foundation the tree does not produce its leaves because of the trunk or because of the branches it does not bring forth fruit because of the trunk or the branches or how big it is or how wide it is but the tree brings forth leaves and fruit because its roots are tapped into a life source and so you and I are not steadfast in our own ability we are not what we because of who we are and what we can do or should do or could do but we are what we are and we can be steadfast tonight because our root system is tapped into the life source of the Spirit of God and we're on a sure foundation and we ought to be steadfast in this ever-changing world. I believe that's right, don't you? I'm just going to preach my heart tonight and I'll last as long as God wants me to. But I thought about and I saw today and was reading 
And I had ordered some books about worship. And I really, I mean, I really felt compelled of God to study worship probably more than anything else I've ever studied before. And so I, I got to looking for some books by some men that I had confidence in to try to help me. I understand we have all we need in the Word of God. I'm not saying that, but there ain't nothing wrong with having books and studying. And I began to read and somebody made the statement and then I seen it. Somebody maybe had posted or something today that when church, so worship becomes optional to parents. It becomes unnecessary to children. And what they're saying is that we're raising a generation of Christians that are not steadfast. They're not fixed. They're not firm. They're not settled in what they believe and what they practice. We're actually raising a group of Christians that practice for all Christianity, that they are one way in the house of God and another way outside the house of God. And even many of the people that say they're saved, and I'm not judging them, that's between them and God, but I'm telling you, many people that profess salvation and profess to be a Christian, it doesn't bother them to miss the house of God. It doesn't bother them to be different. It doesn't bother them to be one way here and one way somewhere else. But I'm telling you, it's the desire of God. None of us are perfect. We all fail. We all come short. We all mess up. If I was to stand up here tonight and to tell you I've lived right all week and been perfect and not made no mistakes, I'd be a liar. I've made mistakes. I've let God down. I've fallen short and so have you but I'm going to tell you the difference between a saved person and an unsaved person is a saved person hates himself when he sins and comes short it bothers me I want to do something about it I'm glad God don't leave us that way I'm glad God don't let us bite I'm glad God troubles my heart and he troubles my spirit it's a testament Paul said under the fact that we've been born again so I believe that we ought to want to be steadfast. Paul writes here to the church at Corinth that he doesn't just say steadfast, but he really repeats itself when he says unmovable. For that, that word's the same word, comes from the same root word that the word steadfast does. Paul is reiterating itself. He's trying to get down to where they're living, trying to get it in their heart and telling them it's the will of God for the people of God to be steadfast. To just always be the same. Christianity is not a church thing. It's a life thing. Christianity is not a religion. We don't have religion. We have a salvation and a Savior and an experience with an almighty God that produces a change in us. Paul did not say we're a new creature just on Sundays and Wednesday, but he said if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You'll be new on Monday and new on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, new at Walmart and new at the grocery store, new at the workplace, new at the schoolhouse and new at the church house. It's because what God does inside of us is forever. And it makes that foundation the Lord likened the kingdom of heaven to two men. He said one man built his house on the sand. And we all know what the sand is. It represents change. It represents the world. It represents things that are not fixed. 
that are not steadfast, that are not firm. And the Bible said it was okay until the winds came and the rains fell. And he said then when it came, he said it fell and great was the fall of it. I'm telling you, we're living in a day where everybody's religion's good till hard times come, until the storms come, until trouble arises. It's kind of like them seeds that fell in the stony places said they sprung up. And when they didn't have much earth, when the sun come up, they were scorched and withered away. I'm telling you, there are a lot of people building on sinking sand. That's what the writer said. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground sinking sand. If it was up to us tonight, we couldn't keep ourselves. We couldn't live good enough. We couldn't be steadfast in our own power. But I'm glad we're like that wise man that dig deep and found a solid rock and built his house on it and it did not fall because it was founded upon a rock. The Lord never did say the wise man was a better carpenter than the foolish man. The Lord never did say the wise man's house was built better than the foolish man's. The Lord never did say the wise man's house had better siding or better roof. He said it didn't fall because it was on a rock. It was its foundation. We're not here tonight because we're Baptists. We're not here tonight because we're good people. We're not steadfast tonight because of what we can do or the image we put forth. But we can be steadfast in the faith because of our foundation. And that it standeth sure. I'm glad it does. I began to think about this word steadfast. Now we're cautioned in the word of God. Paul here writes to the church at Corinth and he says, Be ye steadfast. But I thought about there times in the word of God and I can't, I don't have all this memorized, but I got it on my heart tonight. In 2 Peter chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, but Peter warns against being unsteadfast or not being steadfast. He said here an account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you as also in all his epistles. Now I think there's probably more than one particular place that Peter is referring to here but I do believe after studying the scripture and what God's been doing my heart about I believe one of the scriptures of one of the epistles that Peter is specifically referring to is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said and also in all his epistles uh, speaking in them of these things in some which are things hard to be understood which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as that that's not R-E-S-T that's W-R-E-S-T that's to wrestle to fight against or to try to figure out in their carnal mind as they do also the other scriptures under their own destruction ye therefore beloved now he's going to write to the children of God uh, seeing ye know these things before uh, beware lest ye also so being led away with their air of the wicked, uh, with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. He said, "Paul has written some things." that are spiritually discerned. They're hard to be understood. But we have received them and understood them through the Spirit of God that is inside of us. He said there was a group of people that could not receive them and would not receive them. And he said they walked away from them. They rested them. They tried to make them fit their way of living and their lifestyle. We're in that day today too. And Peter warns that we not turn away from our own steadfastness and be led in the ways of their error. 
but he gives commendation. He gives instruction. He said, don't fall from your own steadfastness. And then the next verse he said, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know what he said? He said, become more acquainted with your foundation. Because we must be steadfast. Don't fall from your steadfastness. Don't be unstable. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't be double-minded. But he said be steadfast. Be fixed. Be firm. Be immovable. Be settled. And grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, what are we supposed to be steadfast in? Well, I begin to ponder on that and the Lord began to deal with my heart and I give you just a few things and then we'll be done. I began to look through the Word of God at the times that the word steadfast is mentioned and it's mentioned more than you think. But the Lord began to deal with my heart about three places in particular, one of them being where we read tonight. But I thought about in the book of Ruth where the Bible said when Naomi has lost her husband and lost her two sons and they, of course, have been married to these two women of Moab, and uh, she hears that the Lord has visited His people again in Bethlehem, Judah, and He's gave them bread, that she gets up to go back uh, to Bethlehem, Judah, and that Orpah and Ruth uh, follow after her for a period of time. Uh, but then the Bible said she turns to them uh, and she says, I don't have any hope. I, I don't have any husband. I don't have any sons. Uh, she said, if I was to have a husband tonight, and I could have children, but in reality she was old. Uh, it was past time with her. Uh, she said, if there even was hope for me to have a son tonight, uh, she said, would you tarry to have him for a husband until he was grown? She said, no. Uh, my daughters, it grieveth me that the hand of God has went out against you for my sake. Uh, she said, turn and go back to your people. And the Bible said, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and went back. But the Bible said that Ruth claved to her and she said, Entreat me not to leave thee. She said, For where you go, I'll go. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I'll die. And there I'll also be buried. She said, Don't make me go away. And this is what the Bible said when she saw us talking about Naomi seeing that Ruth was steadfastly minded to go with her. She refrained from speaking to her. Well, the reality is, the Bible said that when Naomi realized there was no talking Ruth out of what she had in her heart to do, she knew she could not be reasoned out of it. She knew she could not be talked out of it. She knew that she could not change Ruth's mind. She just left off of speaking. And the Lord began to deal with my heart to say to you tonight that we need to be steadfast in our mind. Now I understand that salvation is a work of the heart, that the new birth involves the heart, the soul, the spirit of a man, but I also understand that the mind, the understanding of a man, it is, it is enlightened and it works. That's where the battlefield is. That's where questions come. That's where doubts come. That's where reasonings come. And we need to be steadfast in our mind. 
We need to know what we believe. And we need to believe it not because the preacher said so or the deacon said so or mom and daddy said so or grandma and grandpa said so but because we know it to be so in the word of God and we've been persuaded so by the Holy Ghost and we need to be steadfast in our mind. I thought about the Lord brought to my heart the scripture in Acts 28 after Paul has uh, went through the storm and they've landed on the island. They've all come safe to land. The Bible said some on boards and broken pieces of the ship and others swam to shore, but they all arrived safe to the land. When they got there, uh, the Bible said that they knew that it was called Melita and the barbarous people were there. That means they didn't know God. They didn't know anything about God. Uh, they served idol gods, uh, but they kindled Paul and the sailors of fire and received them, showed kindness to them. We know the scripture. Paul uh, goes out, he gathers a bundle of sticks to put it on the fire, uh, to keep the fire going. A viper comes out of the heat fastens on his hand the barbarians saw it and they said no doubt this man is a murderer whom though vengeance has suffered to live those escaped the sea yet now he's going to die and they, they began to think bad thoughts about Paul but the Bible said he shook it off into the fire and he felt no hurt now here's what the Bible said it said when they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly but nothing happened but the Bible said they changed their minds. And they said, now just two verses ago, they said he's a murderer. And two verses later, not much time has taken place that they go from him being a murderer, now they say he's a God. It's a big change. Now look around in these days, I'm going to tell you I'm seeing some big changes. Folks are changing their mind about some things. Now I understand there's always going to be little things and there ought not be no fighting or fussing and debating about little... We can overlook little things. We can have disagreements about some things. But I'm going to tell you tonight, Luke wrote to Theophilus and he said there are some things that are most surely believed among us. There are some things you can't change your mind about. There are some things you're going to have to be steadfast in. There are some things that are going to have to be believed. There's no black, there's no gray area. It's black or white. There's no debate. We can't have one side this way and one side the other. You just got to be steadfast and know it's what the Bible says. Be steadfast in your mind. But then I thought about it, and, and I'm about done tonight. I hope maybe you're getting something out of it. I thought about not just steadfast in our mind, but in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost comes and the church is born, if you want to call it that, many people say that that was the birth of the church. It is really the birth of the New Testament church. And the Holy Ghost comes, and Peter stands and preaches, and Thousands are saved. The Bible said in Acts 2 and 42, I think it is, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in breaking bread and in fellowship from house to house. And the Lord dealt with my heart about the fact that we should be steadfast to the meeting place. Now I understand that the building... Is not the church. We are the church. 
The church is not a building. The church is a body. I understand in the scriptures it is likened to a building, a lively building, made up of lively stones, a spiritual building. But we, we put a lot of emphasis in our day on the church building, the physical building. This is not the church. This is the sanctuary where the church meets together. This is the meeting place. But I think we ought to be steadfast about the meeting place. I think we ought to be steadfast about what our purpose is here. That we have come to worship God. That's why we've come. That is the only reason that we should come. The writer said, brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. That is right. That's why we've come. And if we lose sight of that purpose, if we come for any other purpose, we have missed the mark. We must be steadfast. I understand that sinners come in among the congregation. I understand that the Word of God goes forth. It's the desire of God for sinners to be saved. But I'm going to tell you, the church comes in a mind of worship and the Word of God goes out in power as the church worships about who God is and what He is doing for us. It creates an atmosphere where the Holy Ghost can deal with sinners and draw sinners and they can be saved. God help us tonight not to lose sight of our purpose at the meeting house. Well, to be steadfast about that. We live in a day where many people have other purposes in coming to the meeting house. And I'm not casting any stones and I'm not beating on people. I'm just being honest. We live in a day where it's become entertainment. It's become a social gathering. It's become nothing more than a club or a fellowship or a lodge. But I'm telling and I thank God for fellowship. The Bible said we're not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. That's why we must not lose sight of our purpose. If we worship God, it will exhort the brethren. I want to say we ought not to lose when we think about the meeting house. Not only should we be steadfast in our purpose, but I think we ought to be steadfast about our place. That God has given us a place. And we ought to be faithful to that place. I said a minute ago about a seminar. I understand it's not for a wall Christianity. We don't come here to be saved. We come here because we are saved. And we have been given the commandment in the New Testament to assemble together. It's not about the building. The building doesn't really have anything to do with it. But it's about the fact that we all have our place in the body. And the body can't function when people are out of their place. It can't function correctly. I understand there are things that come up. I'm just trying to give you what's on my heart. I know sickness comes up. I know things get in the way. I understand that sometimes we need some time apart. I understand all of those things. But I'm telling you, God help me not to neglect my place. And my place ought to be as important to me on Monday as it is on Sunday. It ought to be as important to me on Friday as it is on Wednesday night. I ought not to have to come in the building and a function in my place. I still have my place whether we're in the building or not. But we have been commanded to come together. We come together so that we can help one another in this journey that we're in to exhort and encourage one another and help us, Lord, to honor our place that God has given us and be steadfast about our place at the meeting house. We ought to come despite, I 
the Lord just, it just started rolling in my heart. Well, I thought about all the things that the apostles went through in the early church, thought about all the things as Paul writes to the Hebrew believers in Hebrews about all the things they went through. We ought to honor our place that God has put us in. We've not put ourselves here. God's put us here. The Bible said He put every member in the body as it seemed good to Him to place it. And I believe, I understand that's talking about the body of Christ as a whole, but I also believe that it it, it has application to the local body. God's put us here. God's given us this good place and good people to meet together. We ought to come despite the pressure, despite popular opinion, despite persecution, despite what goes on in this world, despite politics, despite the agendas, despite everything that's going on, God help us to be steadfast and in higher place. I believe that's right. It's an encouragement to everybody else when we're in our place. It's a benefit not only to us, but to everybody else when we're in our place. And so we ought to be steadfast in our mind. We ought to be steadfast about the meeting place. But then I, I'm done. I think we ought to be here in the text Paul is writing. And I think what Paul is trying to get them at Corinth to understand is that our motive should never change. He said we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. If we're doing what we're doing to bring Him honor and bring Him glory, then what we're doing is not in vain. That should be our motive. Regardless of where our place is, regardless of what our position, regardless of where we are in the body, Our motive, we should be steadfast in our motive that we have come to give glory and honor to God. And when we do that, then our labor is not in vain. We are in an unstable world. Christianity has become more unstable in these days than it probably ever has been. Everybody's coming up with new ways to draw crowds and they don't, it doesn't matter to them what they have to change or what they have to change their opinions on or their standards on as long as they can draw a crowd and it's caused problems. We've lost sight. And I'm saying we as Christendom as a whole, Christianity as a whole, many people have lost sight of what our motive is supposed to be. Our purpose, we've lost sight of our purpose. Our motive is to bring glory and honor to God. It's about Him. The reason we've come tonight is not about everybody else. And we miss people. I miss people when they're not here. I look out over the congregation and I see empty pews where people usually are and I miss them. But the reality is the fact that God knew who would be here before we ever got here. And that helps my heart in the fact that God had ordained this service to be so. And we've come tonight not for everybody else, but for Him. And if He gets the honor and He gets the glory, the great reality is that everybody else will get help. There was a day, and I'm through. I've said that two or three times, but I'm done. There was a day, and I've said this before in my preaching, 
early on when I preached to see results. When the results I wanted to see didn't happen, then I left discouraged and defeated down at the bottom feeling like giving up. But it was a blessed day in my life where I learned through the instruction of the Holy Spirit that I'm to preach to bring glory to God, to honor Him, to obey Him, to be pleasing to Him, and then the results are left with Him. He'll do what He wants to do. We can't make people do anything. We just need to do what our motive should be to please Him. That's what Timothy said, or Paul said to Timothy, we're to please the one that chose us to be a soldier. He's the captain. We're in rank under Him. We ought to honor Him and serve Him. And so I hope maybe tonight that the Word of God maybe has helped you in some way. You've drawn some encouragement from it and help for the days ahead. Lord, help us in these days to be steadfast, fixed, and firm, and immovable and settled in an unstable world. I'm glad the people of God have stability. And it's not about who we are, but it's about the foundation we're built upon in Christ that causes us to be able to be steadfast in this changing world. Father, I thank You, Lord, tonight for this time together.